Good morning, everybody. Turn over to Luke chapter 8. We're talking about change, and life is a series of changes. Sometimes small, sometimes great. But the initial part of change sometimes is the easiest. You know, the first hour of a diet is the easiest one. The first day of working out is easy until you start feeling the effects. But we're not going to get very far in life if we don't learn how to sustain change. And how to continue the process. So this sermon is about continuing to change. And in Luke chapter 8, we start reading in verse 4. And it says, A large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town. He told them this parable. A farmer went out to sow a seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. The disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to others I speak in parables, so that those seeing, they may not see, and though hearing, they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. And they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Now, Jesus told a parable to a large crowd about making changes in your life and how to sustain those changes. It wasn't, well, just do this and then you can start the process and then you'll be fine from there. No, this is a story about sustaining the change. Continuing what you started to the end result. Grateful to have mom out from Iowa uh, visiting this weekend. You know, moms, they have standards for their children. And and they want to enforce those standards even, you know, when, when you're older You know, parenting, you know, kids, you think, oh, once, if I can just graduate, then, 
my parents will quit parenting me. I don't want to burst your bubble. The parenting continues. It's a lifelong process. The standards stay in place. But I think about life and the changes that you're faced with. The ones you've committed to. Maybe the resolutions you made at the beginning of the year. Uh, You know, I remember talking with a friend of mine and he goes, oh, yeah, you know, weight loss is easy. I've done it many times. (laughs) You know, sometimes that's how we feel about change. You know, okay, I'm going to change. And then, you know, next week, okay, now I got to change again. And you feel like you're focusing on the same thing that you changed last year. Or the year before, you know, if you're married and you've got the marriage retreat coming up in the fall. You're like, I hope I've changed so that the one thing my wife wants me to change is something new this year. And and the wives all said, amen, you know. I remember in elementary school, Mike and I went to the University of Iowa uh, sports camp. And, you know, so you stay in college dorms. And there, this one that we stayed at, Hillcrest, it's huge. And, the, you know, the, the hallways were all kind of at angles. And, you know, and so you have orientation and they show you where you're going to be and how to get to your room. Well, I remember one night I woke up. I had no idea where I was. I was, uh, it was about three in the morning. And I had slept walked. And... I think like third grade, and it. So I, I'm wandering around the the hallways trying to figure out where am I. And I was completely lost, disoriented. So I had to walk outside. I had to, had to just get out because it's the only way to get my bearings. And I was I was all the way to the other end where all of the women were staying at camp. And so I had to walk outside on the grass and had come in and. One of the doors was propped open, so I was able to get back in. And, and Mike Mike was crying because um, he said, where have you been? I thought you went to the bathroom, but you've been gone for over an hour and a half. And I said, I don't know. I just slept, walked, and I you know, woke up the other end. You know, sometimes you feel like that. Like, I do not know how I ended up in this place. I feel disoriented. I have no idea where I'm at. I'm wandering around in life in places I should not be. And I'm trying to get my bearings to get back home. Oh, sometimes that's where you start with change. Jesus said, Change in life is a spiritual battle. And when he tells his story, he said, there's that initial seed that gets sown. And that's the knowledge that you need. It's the motivation that you need. And it gets put out there. God's always working in our lives. But he said, you have an enemy to sustaining change. Satan, he wants to come and snatch that away. 
And uh, we're going to come back to this verse, but, but let's turn over here for a moment to Matthew 12. Matthew 12, Jesus says this in verse 43. When an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I'll return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that man is worse than the first. That is how it will be with this wicked generation. The worst thing that you can do is feel that I've arrived, I've changed enough, I got everything swept clean in order, and now... I can take my foot off the gas. Now I can just stop and really enjoy the progress that I've made. So Jesus says that you start making changes and you're cleaning up your life. And sometimes I call it Tylenol Christianity. That we change to the point that the pain goes away. And then we go, all right, I'm good now. My life's better. My marriage is better. My family is better. My outlook's better. Now, now I can relax. And Jesus says, no, you can never relax because you sweep that house clean and the demons that left you, they're looking for a place to go and they don't find it. And they come back and find an unoccupied heart. And they move right back in with six other bad buddies. You know, spiritually, we, we never arrive, we never reach a point where we no longer need to try to change, where we've changed enough. And Satan is working overtime to snatch your motivation, your focus away, even now. You know, I love uh, paper Bibles because they don't vibrate. You don't get any notifications. You know, it's not distracting. You know, electronic Bibles are fine. But you got to remember, Satan's trying hard. You know, you start reading and then your phone vibrates. You know what you're thinking? Who is it? <laughs> Better not be somebody who's in here. And then you start wondering, it could be a really, really important situation. And since I'm a really important person, they probably need really important advice from me right now. And what if they don't get it? And so I probably better check, even though I need to pay attention, but I probably need to check. You know, and all this is going through your mind. Why? Because your phone vibrated. And you may have been locked in. And you're like, yes, this is what I need. I know it. I, I was there. I was, I was motivated. And now all of a sudden you're in daydream land because your phone vibrated. I'm not saying Satan is the one texting you right now. 
He might. Jesus said that the word of God gets sown and then Satan is doing everything in his power to snatch it up. Back in Luke chapter 8, he goes on and he talks about the rocky soil. And the rocky soil is somebody that started to change. They're in the process and they're victorious. But then it says, then they have that time of testing. And they die. You know, don't you wish Christianity was just, as soon as you made that change, you'd never be tested in that area again? You know, some of you are in finals right now. I I remember the first time I I started entering into finals, you know, that age in school where you have to learn the cumulative effects of the entire year and it's not just what you studied this week, here's your test. And you're like, no way, I have to go back and remember what I learned months ago? You know, Christian life is not, okay, make a change, and once you do, you're done. That area is over. You're victorious. You are just like Jesus, never to be dealt with again. Now, he says, your changes will always be tested. He says, man, they were victorious. It grew. There was a plant. But the rocky soil, the strength of convictions, how you live your Christian life will ultimately come down to your convictions. You can be surrounded by hundreds of people with strong convictions. And that helps in certain moments of your life. But the decisions that you make when no one's around are not going to be based on somebody else's convictions. They're, they're going to be lived out on your conviction. It will get tested. Think about when Jesus talked about building the house on the sand or the rock. The houses all look the same. It's the foundation that's different. You think about why are some changes sustained and others are more of a kind of flash in the pan. It's like, boom, and that's it. It's over. What happened? No, it's all about the foundation that you laid it with. I think about change in my own life and going after character things. You know, being a conflict avoider. I I don't like conflict. I prefer not to have any of it. And so you can try and function avoiding all all conflict. You could have a marriage with no arguments. You could say fine to any question that you're asked at work or school. And you could go, see, life's good. I don't argue with anybody. I'm just so easygoing. But then you have resentment on the inside, bitterness. You know, it doesn't work. What are the changes that you're trying to make right now? And what is the foundation? 
How much do you pray about the thing that you're trying to change? You know, the things that I like to change, but I'm not serious about changing, I pray once in a while about. You know, every once in a while I go, oh, yeah, I do want to change that. I'm going to pray about that today. But, you know, when you're serious, you're praying about it all the time. Right. And the, the roots are there. What are the areas of shallow conviction in your life? How about who's saved and who's lost? Is everybody really living a good life? No, the Bible makes it very clear. But I promise you, in the society we live in today, you will be accused of being judgmental and narrow-minded an elitist to say, no, no, no. We need to go by what the Bible says and that's it. What about if somebody's a close friend or a family member? Are you willing to hold to your convictions or do you kind of start compromising? That's the rocky soil. The foundation will be tested All change starts, and it looks equal until the time of testing comes, and then you see the difference in the foundation. You know, the third soil that Jesus talked about is the thorny soil. And it's interesting, the words that Jesus uses, he he totally understands the human heart. He says, you know, it starts growing up, but as they go on their way, they're choked. By life's worries, riches, and pleasures. And they do not mature. To be choked out. To be suffocated. Now, carbon monoxide is, is really dangerous. That's why they, they have detectors for those in a house. You know, you're not supposed to run a car with the garage door closed because of carbon monoxide. You need to get the fresh air out. Because what's dangerous about carbon monoxide is it bonds to your hemoglobin. And so, and it's, it's more attractive than oxygen. So all the places that normally oxygen goes to get sent around the body, it's all occupied with carbon monoxide. So you could be around oxygen, but you suffocate. Because there's no room for the oxygen to bind in your bloodstream. You know, and that's, that's what the thorny soil is talking about. You start living life and you're going on your way and you're excited. But then all those spiritual oxygen sites are all occupied. You say, well, what are they occupied by? Well, see how well Jesus understands our hearts. Life's worries. You say, well, what, what do we worry about? What specific worries? That's why Jesus left it the way he did. He just left it general. Because the things that you're worried about are included in that. If he was more specific, he'd go, oh, good, my worry is not listed, so it's okay. No, worrying can rob you of your spiritual energy. Keep in mind, it says, and they do not mature. 
An excessive warrior is an immature spiritual person. Now, our society, we never frame it that way, do we? We do not say, I'm just an excessive warrior. No, I just have a lot of concerns. We call it being responsible, planning ahead. Now, you know, Jesus says, see, Bibles don't make that noise. That was kind of like a techno ringtone thing, too. I heard it. See, now you distracted me, too. Sades at work through that phone. And now you're worried. Who is that person? Why are they calling me right now? See, you're, you're a good sermon example right there. Life's worries. What are you worried about? What is it that occupies your mind and your heart? You know, parents, we worry about our children. We say, well, we're just being good parents. Hmm. Jesus, life's worries. Worried about my budget. Life's worries. You know what, there's just issues to deal with in our life. But if it becomes a life worry category, it can choke you out. And what's the second thing he says? Riches. Well, how, how does this work? Well, we need the next promotion. We need the next advancement. We need to get our pay higher. We need to afford this. We need to afford that. And all of a sudden, that's what our minds and our hearts are focused on. And we go, again, we've, how, how do we frame it? We're being responsible. I mean, we're providing for our family. Really? Is it about just providing the issues that we're worried about? Is it really that we just got to have enough to eat and clothes? Really, that's what we're concerned with? No. We're eating just fine. We're clothed nicely. But it can go in this category where it takes our best energy. I loved what Greg Moretzky said at our men's retreat. You know, he's talking to the men. We're, we're career-focused. He goes, guys, you know what? Our career should never get our very best. He says, our career should get our best. But only God should get our very best. And I like how he phrased it. He's saying, no, you're not supposed to be a derelict at work. You would be a good employee or a good boss. Or a good student. But God, there should be something about what we give to God that is our very best. That's only reserved for that category. But Jesus knows our hearts. So he says, life's worries. Riches. Money's fine. Money's good. People misquote the Bible all the time. It does not say money is the root of all evil. No, it says the love 
of money. Do well, prosper, but you better make sure that riches have not become a thorn that is suffocating you spiritually. Then the final thing he said is pleasures. What's pleasures? That's what I like. That's my dreams. That's my enjoyment. What feels good? You know what? Pleasures are pleasurable. That's good Bible study right there. Bring about good feelings. But we can get so focused on a life of achieving good feelings that our faith and our spiritual motivation to change gets choked out because it's about living life for me. You think Jesus understands society? Man, if you didn't know any better, you read that and you go, wow, did Jesus live in Santa Clarita? Nah, you know what? The human heart's been the same since it was created. We're not any different than the humans that lived 2,000 years ago. Same issues. Life's worries, riches, and pleasures. Are you suffocating? You know what will stop that? Faith and contentment. Faith and contentment will block that. And then the final thing he says is, but then then you have the, the good soil. They're making that change. They hear the word. It says noble and good heart. Verse 15, they hear the word, retain it. And by persevering, produce a crop. You know, you're here. That's awesome. You're well on your way to a noble and good heart. You're here. You're hearing the Word of God. But sometimes we equate hearing and retaining with the same thing. Parents, we know there's a big difference, right? Asking your child to do something, and then they come back and go, now, wait, what? What? (laughs) Husbands, you've been in those situations with your wives where you realize, I have no idea what she's talking about right now because I wasn't paying attention. You know, it's kind of like when you forgot somebody's name but you know you should know their name, but you just forgot. And you're like, oh, man. And then another friend comes up. Hey, are you going to introduce me? Yeah, this is my friend and this really great friend. Friend, <laughs> You can try something. Yeah, you know, you have that unique last name. How, how do you spell it? Smith. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, you know, husbands, you're, you're having that conversation and you've spaced out. And all of a sudden you realize, I have no idea what my wife's talking about right now. You can take the humble path. Let's say, honey, I'm really sorry. But I wasn't listening at all to what you're saying. Or you can take the prideful route 
and kind of fake it and nod and throw in, uh-huh, uh-huh, hoping that you're going to get back in on the knowledge train there, you will be found out. Just be humble. Just be humble. You see, you can hear the word of the Lord and not retain any of it. What was the sermon on last week? What do you change because of the sermon last week? What did you read in your Bible yesterday? How are you different today because of what you read yesterday? And what if we said, okay, we're going to have a pop quiz right now, and they will be graded, and then you have to stand up publicly and give your score. Or we'll hand them out in order like my uh, differential equations professor who is German. He handed out the exams in order of how you did publicly in the class. He was an interesting fellow. He gave, you know, A, B, C, D, F. He gave out G's and H's. He did. And, I mean, he was, he was to the point. Like, first midterm, he starts handing them out and he goes... You, you got a D. Just go drop the class right now. You, don't laugh at him. You did worse. You got an F. You, G, follow him. You, you got the worst grade in the class. I gave you H minus. Follow them. But what if God said, okay, we're going to have a test. And you had to answer those questions. Not hard questions. Just, what did you learn yesterday? How would you do? Say, yeah, but I read. I read my Bible. I came to church. I heard it. Yeah, the key to a noble and good heart is to do more than hear it. That's why it's good to take notes. By the way, if you use paper and a pen, it doesn't vibrate or ring. Just saying. It takes effort. You know, the older I get, the shorter my memory becomes. In fact, there were there were three times in a row that my wife was correct in disagreements, in in, in it was like this weekend. I'm like, that's never happened. Not three, not three in a row, and she she was reveling in her glory all weekend. She bragged to people about it. But you know what? She was right. I'm like, no, honey, no. No, 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 it's this. And she goes, no, it's this. And I'm like, honey, you're, you're wrong. And then she was right. And that happened three times in a row. It was. I said, what's going on? I'm like, I'm losing my swagger. <laughs> It's 
like, man. You know what? It's humbling as a minister when you go, I'm trying to find a verse and I have to use the computer to look it up. I used to have it memorized, but I don't remember where it is. And I'm in my Bible all the time. I don't think I'm any different than you. It takes hard work to retain. You know what? If I said, I'm going to give you a secret code. I'm going to tell you one time. And you go home and you put this in on this website. And you will get a million dollars added to your bank account. You know what? I'm just betting that you would pay attention and you'd figure out a way to remember it. You'd write it down. Why? Because it's a million dollars. See, the ability is not, you know, it's not can we remember. It's how much work and attention is required to make sure that we remember But we can be, oh, I just have a bad memory. Oh, well, well, too bad. Oh, well. No. Sustaining change, it's hard work. And that's why the last thing he says is, and by persevering, produce a crop. Don't you hate that that word's in there? Change is hard. You remember that first hour of a diet? Sometimes it feels like persevering. You start. You're excited. But then there's, there's always the grinded out phase of change. And that's where we get into trouble. Because it's hard. We didn't realize how hard it was going to be. I thought it was going to be easier. I thought once I made it to this point, then the, the changes would be so much easier. It doesn't work that way. Perseverance is required. I got a question. Is there anything that you need to change where you've stopped persevering? You gave up. You got discouraged. You know, Jesus did not tell this story so we go, oh, wow, bummer. I guess I just have, you know, thorny soil. Oh, well, I'll leave and feel like a loser. No, the whole point of this story is to change and to be the heart that's noble and good. Where your convictions are shallow, you can make them deep. You're distracted all over the place and you can't focus. And so the word of God's there, but it's not getting in. You can make changes. You can put yourself in a less distracted environment. If you're suffocating because there's too much going on, say no. Oh, one of the things that I, I threw in there, I didn't comment, but on pleasures, let me throw something in that category. 
kids' activities. Because as parents, we want our kids to enjoy everything. It takes a toll to try and get your kids into everything. I'm a big believer in kids' activities. But if kids' activities are suffocating you, then have them be less active. You know, if you're doing lousy spiritually so that they can be involved in everything, that's not good. You're going to help them more and they're going to have a much more enjoyable life and future if mom and dad are, are cranking spiritually, but they are involved in less stuff. It's okay to say no. In the last two weeks, four climbers have died on Mount Everest. And I was reading an article about um, one couple in particular, and they had there were stats in the article, and it said 70% of injuries and fatalities occur on the return trip. You know, I started thinking, as preparing the sermon about change, and I go, you know what, I, I would say that, that that's kind of about the same with sustaining change, too. Our problems are not on the front end. It's on the return trip. It's in the home stretch. And we get tired. And our legs are wobbly. And we're like, I've been doing this for a month or a year. And we want to give up. No. See? Satan. See, it's the closing half of the sermon. The 70% of problems happen then. Okay, you started changing. Now what? Stick with it. Recommit. If you got discouraged and gave up, get back going again. Don't let Satan win. Don't let Satan snatch that seed away. Have that noble and good heart. You're here. You got the message. But now it's up to you to retain it. And then you got to do the hard work of persevering. You got to grind it out some days. Change is not fun. It feels weird. But you know what? It's worth it. Kind of like graduating. Yeah, you, you, your name is read. There are a lot of hours, a lot of persevering, a lot of grinded out went into that moment. Man, you get your diploma, and it feels awesome. Say, so let's finish the race. Let's keep the change going. Let's put into practice what Jesus talked about. 